Today on Inside Marketing, we're going to take a look at the fascinating world of gaming. As an industry, it's nearly always stereotyped, it's often misunderstood, and it's rarely embraced by marketers at large. And all of this despite some truly staggering audience numbers. So stay tuned as we ask why more marketers just don't really get gaming. The Inside Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Dentsu and Irish Times Media Solutions. Hello and welcome to Inside Marketing. As I said, this week we will be talking about gaming and I'm delighted to be joined by Ian McGrath from EGTH Marketing and Media Consultants. Welcome, Ian. How you doing, guys? And Maeve Canellan, Group Strategy Director at Dentsu. Welcome, Maeve. Hi, thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks for joining me um, as we do every episode before we get started. How, Maeve, how are you getting on? How's working from home? How's everybody? You staying safe and well? Uh, yeah, happily staying very safe, very well. So no complaints on that front. Uh, working from home is just now working. So same, yeah, same. Yeah, I know. It's going to be here for a while, but um, it may be some end in sight. I don't know. We'll see soon enough. Ian, how are you getting on? How is life in lockdown? Uh, I think actually last time we spoke as well, we we're in the middle of a lockdown. Um, certainly, I think everybody's more used to it now. Um, but yeah, good to see that there's, you know, maybe an end in sight this year. Uh, and, that, you know, we, we, people are starting to get vaccinated and also, mm. you know, you can you can kind of maybe put some optimism and hope uh, back mm. into the year. Whereas we were all, you know, bloody done with 2020 yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, very quickly, you know. So um, I think it'd be a different year and definitely a different lift that people will get. Uh, mm. as as the year gradually kind of goes on. Yeah, well, you're right, because last time you were on, we were in a lockdown, so I'm starting to see a trend here. You might be bad luck. I must I must stop talking to you. I'm, um, I'm, I'm, actually, I'm called uh, Lockdown Ian. Yeah, good. Grand. Well, this is a, and, and enjoy it, because this is your last time on the podcast. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so... As I said, we will be talking about gaming and it's a really interesting industry. We, we did, we covered, and Maeve, you were on it, it was 2019, incredibly, where we talked about yeah. esports on this podcast. And I remember back then I was shocked to see some of the figures, just to see how big it was, even some of the prize money that was completely past me by. I didn't know it was that big. I've read a couple of things about the gaming industry. It's worth apparently 120 billion annually. It's double, that's double TV, film and music combined. So it seems strange that this is virgin territory for, for Adland at large. And Ian, you wrote a brilliant piece in today's article. I love the title of it, How Marketing uh, Has Missed the Fact That Gaming's Moved From the Basement to the Boardroom. I love that title. So it's really interesting, but it's a great point because as I say, for an industry so big, it just seems strange that we've missed it. So let's start there, Ian. Essentially, your article just looks at how big gaming is and it and it begs the obvious question as to why it's underused by marketers at large. So we'll get into that in a second. But for now, just for the benefit of anybody who's listening who maybe hasn't read the article yet, and I, I'd urge them to check it out. Tell me just how big is gaming, both in terms of the size of the industry and the size of the audience? Well, if we're looking at last year alone, uh, globally, the gaming market had an audience of 2.7 billion people. Like that's 2.7 billion people. That's a, a huge number. Not that it's really a target audience in itself, but, you know, often marketers would kind of covet around um, the likes of millennials or Gen Z. That's a bigger number than any either of those two, if you were to classify it as an audience. Um, it's actually a third of the planet's population if you really wanted to crack the numbers. And if you think of then where gaming is actually played, you know, in developed markets, it's 50% or over 50% of those developed markets uh, population. So it is a huge, huge number of people who game. Um, 
also in terms of the actual size of the market, I know you kind of mentioned a, a number there a few minutes ago. The latest Q4 numbers just showed that there was huge kind of surge in growth across the gaming marketplace. And the numbers always vary, you know, but uh, kind of more consistent numbers around 159 billion right. in terms of the uh, 2020 revenue. But, you know, I suppose really what that's an indicator for is that the continued pace behind this uh, has been so strong and that the forecast for this is that it will really turn into a 200 billion industry mm. by 2024 three years down the road it's just, it's just you know uh, something with huge momentum mm. um like you said dave it's Last year in the US, it was bigger than the movie business and professional sports combined in terms of uh, revenue. So it is strange that marketers have missed such a lucrative, uh, high-value market and a hard-to-reach big uh, audience yeah, yeah. Or, or big kind of group of uh, people, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think the thing that um, people and marketers need to look at is that gaming is not just one thing. It's hugely diverse. Mm. Um, so I was wrong, actually, to call it an audience there because I know we talk, we'll talk about this a little later. Uh, but it appeals really to many different people. It appeals to people on different occasions. It appeals to people uh, for different reasons between entertainment, socializing. Um, you know, it's just a huge diverse platform. And that's really what's pulling it forward. Mm. Yeah, Maeve, your thoughts on the size of it? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it is it is huge. And like, as Ian said, those numbers are massive. And I think when we kind of start thinking about gaming as, uh, I suppose, an industry, it's, you know, it's not just a thing. It's like gaming, I would say, like completely transcends culture. And, and it's intersecting every single touch point when you start thinking about the whole yeah, entertainment definitely. industry, you mm. know. Like, and I, like, I was thinking about this. It's, you know, gaming goes from everything from you know, playing a game on your smartphone to like, you know, one of the things I do is like have like trivia challenges with my friends on social mm. apps. So there's all these like things. Then it's obviously like it's, you know, playing FIFA with the lads on a Friday night or even doing things like watching Travis Scott live through Fortnite or, you know, like what I've seen is like Blind Boy now is on Twitch. He's mm. streaming, he's gaming, he's, and you can now log on, watch him game while listening to him talk about, you know, his slant on yeah. life and whatever thing he does. And it's everything in between that. Yeah. Like, so it's, it's sport, it's cinematics, it's music, it's comedy. So, like, yeah, it's, it's yeah, massive. It's, it's you know? less and less about gaming, and, and we'll and we'll get Absolutely. to that. In, we'll get to that in a minute. So, look, there's no doubt that it's a huge industry in and of itself, and, and a huge number of people. Again, we'll get to the stereotypes around that that are involved in gaming. So, there is an obvious question here, Ian, and you rightly point out that it's not like marketers to miss these things because we are usually, um, you know, given the reach and the the engagement levels in, in gaming, marketers are usually the people who have their you know, the finger on the pulse, they're looking at the next big thing. So it's really unlike the marketing industry to miss something so big. So you have a couple of thoughts in your article, which, we, which we'll talk about. But one of the things that, you know, that you say is is potentially down to bias. Now, before, well, I'm not saying marketing people are, are creatures of bias more than anybody else. I mean, human beings do suffer bias, conscious or unconscious. It just happens to everybody. So we're not having to go at marketing people per se. It's a human condition. Well, let's talk about that for a moment. The stereotype or the the profile of the people who are gaming. Ultimately, you know, we we have a, we have a view of that. So, Ian, starting with you, can you can you tell me a little bit about what we call these, you know, quote unquote gamers, who the industry I think we all know might perceive them to be the marketing industry, and but actually who they are, and we we'll hopefully bust some myths around that. 
Yeah, firstly, I do think that we are seeing the early signs that marketers are switching on to the types of uh, different audiences that are, you know, available in gaming channels. Um, so, you know, we're, we're starting to see that they are actually taking note. But, the, yeah, certainly to date, uh, the point is that um, this has been you know, mainly untapped from a, a marketing point of view. And part of it is definitely down to, uh, you know, a bias with the marketers. Some of that is driven because, you know, marketing um, departments, agencies have had such a focus on tech. And if you think of the big tech companies, Facebook is really only getting into gaming now. Mm. Um, you know, Google is big in terms, it's it's at the equivalent of Twitch in some Asian markets uh, through YouTube. But, you know, the big tech names, they're not really into gaming. And probably yeah, most people didn't know that Amazon were on Twitch. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's only really now that they're uh, turning on that profile uh, a bit more. But also, you know, people would forget that you know Apple's revenue from gaming was all basically by you know taking collection from games being sold through the App Store. Mm. And it didn't really have to step into the market too much because there's such a lucrative revenue from that. But I think yeah, look, the old perception that people carry in their heads is the sweaty nerdy teenager sitting at a games console in the dark, afraid of natural light. That's stuck in my head now Ian that's that's yeah, an image that's an image yeah, that lives so, rent free so in my head yeah well that, that's you know what because it's uh, it was sold in all of the movies when you know we were growing up the the gamer was even if they were kind of you know they were always in the gang but they were the geeky one probably at spots and stuff like that you know and that's just a <laughs> you know a movie type portrayal but it's stuck in the psyche you know like we kind of think of people even at um you know, stuck at a console. That's not gaming today, yeah. you know. And I may have covered it earlier, you know, like the way that people are using it or the way that she talked about how she's using it. Gaming is a completely lot more open platform than that. And there's so many other ways to engage rather than just through a console. Consoles actually only account for about a third of time with gaming anyway. You know, so I, I think the other side of gaming as well there might be a slight bias and I didn't mention this in the article but you know there's always kind of a thought that it was very laddish you know the shoot 'em ups the even the Grand Theft Auto type stuff and even football as being some of the bigger uh, games platforms you know but the new things like Fortnite and all have really kind of shaken up uh, the market in relation to that and gaming would have a profile still a bit more dominantly male but you know it's, mm. it's closer to a 50-50 in terms of its audience and um, so all those kind of myths I think do sit in marketers head it does affect their judgments you know yeah. but also you know if, the, if their focus has been on um, you know the likes of money spent with Google money spent for Facebook you could see maybe how they've, they've missed some of yeah. this you know and look um, most gamers are casual gamers as well we'll probably talk a little bit more about that you know the average age would be 33 mm. uh, you think of them as teenagers and it's all because we've grown up with this media portrayal yeah, yeah. Who we think they are, you know, and, and maybe that's who they, that's probably that, that could well be who they were back in its infancy. That could well have been true at a certain time, but it certainly isn't the case now. Yeah, completely. And then, mm. like you know, so if you can't think of a casual gamer who makes up the majority of people who actually would play games, um, they're just they could be anybody. You know, they're playing through their mobile phone, mm. they're sitting with their friends, as uh, Maeve said, but they're on it for about seven hours a week, which is a huge amount of time to be spending in any uh, channel. So yeah. um, I just don't understand. Like, I, we definitely are seeing more and more marketers paying attention to this now as a channel, and I think yeah. it will come quite quick. But how it's missed. Um, the opportunity over the last five years is quite incredible. You it know, is, it's, yeah, it's, no, unlike them. it's unlike them when it comes to other kind of emerging trends. Yeah, true. I may, I may have just something that Ian kind of touched on, but you, I know you mentioned this when we talked off air, is about the myth even about like the platforms people are using for gaming. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I kind of, I like 100% agree with like what Ian is saying. I mean, 
you know, the first, the biggest stereotype is thinking that a gamer is solely a person that games through their console. Um, and it's actually quite interesting because we're seeing an absolute decline in console uh, purchases and people who game through them. And it's the, I think, you know, Ian said it's a third of people are going to uh, game through their consoles, but actually 50% of people who game are gaming through their smartphones. Mm. And that's the interesting figure. And that's where it gets, uh, where we can kind of start understanding who that audience is and start mm-hmm. breaking it down a little bit more now. And Global Web Index, actually, they did a interesting kind of piece on kind of the future of entertainment. And they kind of touched on that audience within gaming a little bit. And what they've done is, and I thought it was quite nice, is they just kind of literally segmented gamers into three specific kinds of audiences based on behaviors. Uh, first being, as Ian was talking about, you're like your casual gamer. And then it's like, well, like for marketers, it's going, okay, well, who are they? What are they doing? How are they connecting? What's important to them? So like I would classify myself as a casual gamer. I'm mobile first. I'd only do it through my smartphone. I'm stingy. So it's going to be a freemium product um, and it has to be really easy access and frictionless. And that's who I am. Massive opportunity there. Then you have your achievement-based gamers and these are kind of closer to that stereotype they're going through consoles. They uh, different things are important to them. Like they want kind of you know that whole idea of instant gratification, mm-hmm. microtransaction, downloadable content. You know they're your League of Legends playing and kind of winning in team events, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And then I think, which I think is super interesting and kind of nearly where that future focus should be looking at, it's your social driven gamers. So mm-hmm. these are the guys that, are, and I think this has been massively amplified during the pandemic where people are connecting through gaming to literally socialize with their pals. Um, so it's, you know, like I think a really good example is, you know, um, playing poker with the lads on a Friday night yeah. through Flutter apps, that kind of things. Like that's where, and it's it's the needs then change, the ecosystem change. Well, what do I want there? Well, I want multiplayer. I want chat functionality, you know, and what why I'm gaming and what I'm doing for it. All of those reasons change. Mm. Um, so I think then we can start to massively understand once we understand the audience then we can kind of start seeing where the opportunities lie a little bit more mm. so that big misconception of the gamer in the basement i won't mm. try and talk about it as eloquently as Ian did but like that is like uh, yeah you know, that's gone um and it's really understanding and i think that's where we're kind of missing the mark a little bit is just understanding audience needs yeah. wants why yeah, because it is. It's a whole. It's a whole ecosystem. We'll get to that in a second. So, or um, even it's um, even thinking of these as you know gamers as all being uh, the same. You know, yeah. one of the the points um, you know I made in the the article was that uh, I kind of I stole a line from somebody else, but it was like if you think of all gamers as the same, it's like saying everything in the ocean is a fish. You know, it's completely <laughs> wrong to think of them uh, in that way. And it's um, you know, so you know uh, the earlier part of. Um, our discussion, you know, I said it, it's, you know, not necessarily a target audience in itself. It's a platform um, or set of channels, you know, with a very big, significant audience. Yeah. And that's sometimes the issue as well. Like in relation to bias, you know, marketers would think of that as being an audience rather than uh, an ecosystem, essentially, you know. And then what happens is because it's uh, also a little bit specialized and new, it's left to specialists or in-channel experts really to do the, the planning and optimization. Mm. 
And with that bias, then it kind of tends to, you know, sit a little bit outside of, you know, the the big plan. So it gets test money or it gets, you know, let's uh, trial this out. And it makes it harder for, you know, the experiences that people have built there or brands that have kind of put their toe in the water really to ladder up and, you know, be as equal uh, as other elements of a, a marketing plan because it just doesn't get, say, the senior attention, yeah. you know, yeah. because that bias is there. Yeah. But look, it's definitely an engagement platform. Maeve said it, we use it to socialize, we use it to buy things, we use it to mm. connect. It's very strong in uh, two areas that marketers are excessive about as well, which is yeah. live video and actually events. Maybe you were talking about the, um, you know, the concert you were watching, maybe it was last year, but like this time uh, last year, you know, Super Bowl weekend, Marshmello, he's a DJ Dave with a big bucket on his head. Yeah, I know, know, I know. Oh, DJ Marshmello, I'm down with that um, stuff. Well, he wasn't a bag of sweets anyway, but um, he, he did a, he did a, you know, a set through uh, Fortnite and I had 10 million yeah. people, you know, I actually thought something like that would have been a bigger trigger for marketers to get into this space, you know, getting 10 million people yeah. into one place. You know, it's huge, mm. uh, yeah, especially yeah. when they pivot around events being cancelled. Um, but I think it's taken, it's maybe taken the 12 months to really kind of start to get people more engaged in this big engagement platform. Yeah. Well, no, just on the point there, just before you come in. So, I, I mean, I think, it's, I think it's a great point is that we what you're saying, if I understand, is that like we tend to think of gaming as an audience and not as a platform. Um, and we don't do that with anything else. We don't think of like music as an audience. We think of it as a platform that transcends every different audience or film or whatever. So we kind of put gaming into this into this box. So we stare, you're not just a gamer. We build them as an audience. And, and then... We target people. If we want to target gamers, great. We, we start to dip into that space. But if we're not thinking about gaming, it's quite difficult for us to, to go into that world. That's one of the problems. We'll get on a couple more in a second. Maeve, you were going to come in there. Why do you think it's being underutilized from your point of view? Well, no, I think it was just interesting what Ian was saying around, uh, you know, DJ Marshmallow and, you know, why has that not kind of stimulated more marketers to do it? And I think from an Irish perspective, I think like when we see those massive big activations, it can kind of seem quite overwhelming. So mm. when we're talking about, you know, gaming and wanting to kind of find the opportunity within the gaming ecosystem, I think like have a chat with anyone like, and, and it's hard not to go to the big glory activations of, you know, oh, I should get on, I'd ring up Riot Games and try and get a licensing contract or, you know, maybe I should start like, um, I don't know, sponsor, get a sponsorship agreement with an esports team or, you go for the big things mm. and they're all, and I think when we look at that specific kind of ecosystem within the Irish market, we're like, we're actually not there yet Yeah. Uh, when it comes to reach figures when, um, and like there is massive opportunity there, but we don't have the scale yet in the Irish market to like have those big budgets around those big kind of activations. Mm. Uh, and I think that causes a big barrier to actually start uh, looking at gaming yeah. as a kind of activation because you just kind of go, oh, well, scale's not there and I don't have the budget. But actually, there's loads of different other ways that we can start looking at gaming from yeah. uh, that that work in this market. And I'd say the first thing is like, like contextual placements. You know, there's mm. now like SSPs that are trading solely on in-game advertising mm. where you can go. And so basically what that is, is if I'm, I don't know, playing a rally car game on my phone, uh, I can have my ad up as the ad placements on the outdoor area that my car mm. is going past. So I'm getting viewership eyeballs attention mm. and I can now buy that programmatically really easily 
using IAB standard ad formats. Um, right, yeah, yeah. And that's it. And, and that's an, like, you know, OK, look, it's not a big inter- activation, but it's a way into getting in front of those gaming yeah. audiences in a good way. Yeah. Um, there's another way of like, you know, social game creation. You know, uh, if we look at like Facebook and Insta and their development platforms, it's quite easy to create uh, like a social game that's really easy to play. Like we did a really super easy gaming activation for one of our brands uh, with Maximum Media. Now Max Media created the actual game itself and it was all around the Super Bowl where literally the game player used their smartphone to score touchdown with their smartphone using their fingers. Like, and it's a really, really simple activation. You score a touchdown, get some points, highest scorer wins. Right. You publish your score, you win prizes. Uh, we pushed it out across with maximum across their network, across our own social network, highest engaging format we ran for the year. Mm-hmm. People then started to actually Photoshop their own results because uh, they wanted to win, which yeah. was brilliant because they were cheating. And like that kind of access to a brand and attention and amount of time you engage with a brand, you can't pay for that. So there is nicer opportunities. Yeah that are easier it's just about thinking about what's relevant to you at that time i agree it's all very, it's great points made and i think what we, this is kind of about we, we've covered this a little bit but i think one of the one of the big problems we have is that if like if you're not a gamer and this is maybe a lot of people in the agencies aren't really gamers like if you're not a gamer you don't get it and i think even when some brands can get involved with it they don't really understand gaming culture so it's quite easy to misstep in this area and to kind of just get the tone of it wrong to just i think just showing up like being fit for platform is something that we talk about all the time and um, yeah. so you know when you think about gaming a few brands who've done things they may just say oh we've got some we've got some formats that we run across different channels so why don't we just put them in, in the gaming ecosystem and um, without thinking about you know yeah. developing deploying they're trying to deploy the assets that they have rather than think about creating new assets and and that's not how to engage as i say it's like as we always say it's like taking your 60 second ad and saying okay i'm going to put that in facebook and i'm going to assume it's going to work as well as it will do in a tv environment so maybe just while you're on there, start with you. What do you think some of the mistakes that, that advertisers make when they try and get into gaming are? I suppose, like, it's knowing where you play. So we said gaming is now mainstream. So what that means is that, and like Ian kind of touched on it, is that, you know, gaming's mainstream, full of different people. They're gaming for different reasons. There is no one size fits all. I think the biggest thing you have to do is get to know the platforms where people are gaming, Mm. where they're streaming, the gaming connections. Like what I'd always say is you don't have to be a gamer to understand it. Like, but like join Twitch, watch some streams, go onto Facebook gaming platforms, understand how people are using it, like do the research. And I think, you know, we're saying, you know, gaming is massive. 65% of people in Ireland games last month. That means everyone has a gamer friend. Talk to them. Like get to understand what the platforms are. Uh, and once you do that, you can kind of start to understand how you can engage as a brand mm-hmm. um, you know, and like map out like, well, wh- where can I add value to this experience or to their experience? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I suppose the golden rule and one that kind of comes across anything new and new that you could do, especially when innovation is like really understand why you're doing it, what your objective is. And then most importantly, like what does success look like and how can I measure it? I think they're really good points, Um, especially about, you don't need to be a gamer, but it is actually worth looking into this environment. You see really what's going on and kind of blow your misperceptions about this because, um, you know, like actually there's probably not enough good case studies yet. Mm-hmm. to be able to you know um show you best in class like the, it, there there are some there's just not enough in terms of 
being out there. So yeah, you probably have a great opportunity if you throw yourself in the space like Maeve is saying, and actually you can find out exactly what Maeve said, where you add the value. Uh, and there's not mm. enough brands doing that. I actually think the issue has been too many brands have, you know, the ones that have said, okay, this is new, let's try it. They've been a little bit unimaginative in terms of how they've gotten into the platform. A lot of performance money as well, like, uh, you know, maybe saying this cure kind of play mobile game SSPs. They will take performance money. So, you know, fairly low funnel Let's get some clicks. Let's get some views. Um, anything that drives traffic, basically, to our yeah. website. You know, it doesn't. It didn't. It's a bit like you know. It's not strictly focused on it being gaming. It's just like just get numbers to our sites. Mm. Um, right. So, so they've been less creative in terms of actually how they've used the platform. Um, and there's a there's a paper last year that uh, I don't think got really enough recognition you know because when you look at marketing effectiveness it's always nearly about creative you know what can we do creatively how what's our thinking process but it actually uh, it was published in the journal of marketing and it kind of proved an assumption that we've always worked to that the how and when you play out an ad is hugely important to the effectiveness of the ad and actually the overall effectiveness of the creative so you know environment actually really does matter and you can't get probably a more engaged platform than gaming at the yeah. moment in terms of what you can do through it so put yourself in there completely as Maeve says and you'll actually see kind of you know um, you'll probably be drawn in yourself and understand why it gets such a high level of attention as a you know as a as a channel and kind of the various different things that people can do there and mm. why there's so many different types of people gaming every month yeah yeah good point okay Ian as well and some of the things that you talked about like any new platform that wants to involve or attract advertising like when TikTok launched a little bit like that people didn't know what it was but I remember they were quite clear about what they did. So they'd say, here's the formats that we have. Here's what's different about us. Here's the engagement. Here's how to use the platform. Here's how not to use the platform. So they made it media buy friendly, if you will, um, and, and gave some really good examples on help with creative development. And I don't know if that's the case with gaming. So in, again, in your article, you say it may be not all on the the marketer's fault or the agency side fault. I think there, there could potentially there could be potentially be some fault on the gaming industry's fault that they don't make themselves ad friendly. So you got to do that before you want if you want the ad revenue. So Ian, expand on that a little bit for me. If you take it that the you know creativity is coming from these channels, but it's mainly been driven by a few brands and just a few markets. You know, like this may mention earlier on, sometimes more difficult for smaller markets uh, to get into these areas. But, you know, at least that's to date anyway. One of the other things to really note is that um, most people in gaming environments are fairly okay with advertising. You know, don't file it as being intrusive. Mm. Certainly that's what uh, the research that's been released, you know, kind of last year by Zynga has told us, you know, yeah. um, and for other research ones across last year, be quite, uh, as more people look into these areas, kind of saying the same thing, maybe with a little bit of sponsorship bias. But, um, you know, certainly in terms of what I see, it, it's not too kind of jump in your face. But yeah, the media owners have been a bit slow in terms of developing out uh, their products, you know, probably happy enough to take in a little bit of simple revenue. Yeah, the lower uh, funnel stuff. Really actually, yeah, like um, drive growth, you know, by backing it up with costs. Um, you're starting to see more kind of, I suppose, media suppliers, you know, the likes of uh, companies like Fluid, who would sell ad space or develop uh, products in line with Twitch. And then Twitch actually as well, I think, have been a lot more proactive in terms of, mm. you know, developing their own creativity Um, doing great stuff lately with, you know, the likes of Pringles, uh, White Claw, Pepsi mm. as well, you know. So starting to see them bring... Uh, 
a lot more true to the market as well. But what I think actually would really help marketers get more involved is if the media owners and if the, you know, the, the sales houses were able to kind of showcase like, you know, where is this industry going product wise, you know, mm. and how did they, and then can we build a, an ad roadmap? And then, you know, what would be very easy for marketers to do is say, this is where I fit in. This is where it's yeah. going to, uh, you know, impact uh, our customer journey. And they can see it. Uh, and, you know, those things, then, once you kind of share those things, they tend to happen a bit quicker than what you'd actually, you know, initially plan. But certainly, I, I think that they do need to, like your TikTok example, help marketers step into yeah. uh, this, you know. Mm-hmm. And, but we are, we're, we're seeing... We're seeing more and more kind of people there after a, a like a very very slow burn over the last couple of years. I think it's going to accelerate very quickly. You know, really from kind of this year into the, you know, the yeah, the next yeah. decade quite per- fast. Particularly because yeah. it seems to be obviously pandemic proof. Maeve, what do you think? Do you think they could do more, or do you think no? It's it's the marketer's fault predominantly. Yeah, I think. Look, I mean. Obviously, the more we can, as an industry, help each other and grow the platform, everyone benefits, right? But um, I do think that when it comes to gaming, like it does need investment from a marketer's perspective and point of view. And that's investment in time, in strategy, and and then in budget, of course, as well. So like, Mm -hmm. I think what we have to understand is, you know, that the whole virtual world is changing and how we interact within it. So we have to kind of, like, as kind of Ian was saying, like, throwing some budget beside gaming, uh, adding it as a line item to a plan or just ticking that box. It's never worked. It's been tried for game. It's been tried for digital. It's been tried for social. If you do that, it's it's sure to fail. But I think like, you know, key principles around marketing, media, advertising still exist. So like when we enter into the gaming space, it's about, you know, having an understanding of our audience. So let's talk to them in their language, like Mm -hmm. use their tone of voice. And I think like when also then creating our, I suppose, profile as a brand in gaming, we have to be really careful on who we choose to follow, who we connect with, who we interact with, the language we use and showing up using that kind of right language as well Mm -hmm. so you know it's understanding emotes understanding all your three-letter acronyms around that so that you can have an authentic viewpoint within that ecosystem Mm. and then it's so it is that idea of being authentic to culture that you're advertising in you know wendy's like i think everybody knows at this point the wendy's example within Fortnite, where they created a wendy's character and there was a big battle royale where you had a pizza team and a burger team. They were battling it out and they were the burger team were storing all their burgers in freezers. And Wendy's was literally just watching this play out and going, actually, us, where can we play and add value here? Well, mm-hmm. Wendy's is a brand don't keep their burgers in freezers because it's all fresh. So they created a Wendy's character, went into Fortnite, got Fortnite, people that were good at playing Fortnite went in and started destroying all of the freezers because burgers aren't kept in freezers. And they got influencers to then partake. It was like one of the biggest cultural moments within Mm. Fortnite. It got so many, uh, so much press and advertising. Like KFC were like bowing their hats to them who were renowned within the gaming platform. And it happened uh, and it made such an impact that the developers of Fortnite removed all freezers from the game of Fortnite. Uh, really kind of making an impact on the culture of the gaming ecosystem. So, you know, that kind of stuff, like really understanding the culture, being authentic to it, talking to your audience in their language. Um, and also, you know, like 
look out for potential where you're kind of working with content creators and influencers as well. And I think we are actually, because, you know, if you had said to me a couple of, like even the last time when we did esports, well, who should we be talking to in um, an influencer world when it comes to Ireland? Like there's a few people that come out, like Jack Septic Eye, again, he's massive, like barrier to entry, too much budget, like we're never going to be able to think, talk to him. But now we are starting to see Irish influencers mm. on or content creators on platforms. Uh, there's one guy that we were looking at the other day, Tweak. He has 91,000 followers. Right. He's streaming for like six to eight hours a day. And you can From see that he's already got it. <laughs> no, I think he, uh, no, I, I don't think he's one of those, but uh, I think he has a nice uh, sitting room to do it from. Okay, but right. six to eight hours a day, loads of really loyal followers, audiences. People are subscribing into his channel, paying to watch him. And he's got a good few affiliate deals up. Few are, you can kind of see a few brands now interacting with him. So we're kind mm. of starting to see that grow as well. And Twitch are doing a really good job of creating that influencer outreach platform, right. which is helpful too. I yeah. think when it comes to publishers helping, Twitch definitely has the clearest roadmap for ad formats and how brands can interact. So there seems to be lots of opportunity, but I think we're all agreed that it is definitely worth, um, well, it's worth testing, but it's definitely worth thinking about being fit for platform or, or, you know, at the same time, maybe the, the campaigns that got the most traction on social are those ones that demonstrate real-time agility. There's opportunities in, in gaming space. And I think there's a nice segue in here. Um, the, I've drawn a, a comparison between social and gaming. And actually, one of the trends that, that I've read a lot about recently is the, is the convergence, convergence between um, social and gaming. And again, this helps to bust some of the myths and stereotypes that exist around gaming because like gaming is very much now, as, as we've said in the last half, 35 minutes, it's very much a social experience now. So it's actually becoming less and less about the games. I just read a couple of things during lockdown, Maria Sharapova, the Venus and Serena Williams and Justin Bieber and a couple of others took part in a Mario tennis esports tournament on Facebook gaming earlier on in May, the start of lockdown. It was all part of this stay at home slam on Nintendo Switch. And that really wasn't about playing games for say, yes, they were playing games, but it was much more about kind of people watching um, and viewing and getting involved from a social point of view. So it wasn't about gaming in its own right. So Maeve, just on the, Convergence of gaming and social, is this going to continue? And might this mean that we'll see as social kind of makes it an easy, more palatable for marketing industry that we become more comfortable in that arena? Might we see dollars start to flow into gaming as, as we kind of get it now? What do you think about that? Yeah, I reckon so. I mean, like gaming is social. Mm-hmm. And that is that, you know. And I think it's quite interesting because we were talking a lot about Twitch, but Twitch, Amazon owned when it first came to light, you described Twitch as a streaming platform for gamers where they connect and there's a gaming mm. community. But it's really interesting because Twitch is now calling itself social TV. Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's calling itself like the future of entertainment. And actually, if you go on to Twitch, it's exactly that. It's yeah. like, yeah, absolutely, there's gaming. But there's also music, sports, talk shows, entertainment. You know, you can connect into your Amazon Prime. Yeah. Obviously, there's esports and there's even politics. So, yeah. um, you know, so like that's, I think, that perfect example of gaming and social. Like yeah, because it was seen as antisocial, I think, was one of the things we said before. Like gaming, it's an antisocial activity. And it's, it's, in fact, it's quite the opposite. And you know what? Like, that's a fair point because Zuckerberg, like he came out a couple of years ago, you know, remember Facebook bought Oculus and then they created Facebook spaces. Yeah. And Zuckerberg came out being like he wanted to change AOR and gaming 
I think it was eight or from being an antisocial to a social construct. Mm. And I actually think that's super interesting because if you think of like Facebook launching the whole, their Facebook gaming platform, where again, loads of games you can develop, play, stream, watch. And then also they have this spaces, Oculus area. I think it's going to be a really, really interesting space because what Facebook has, especially in this market, is reach. So then absolutely watch this space. And I think like at the end of the day, when it comes to advertising dollars, where you have eyeballs, you're going to have advertisers. Yeah. So I think, and you know, those are, I think everything that's happening right now is allowing it to be mainstream, broad, easy yeah. to gain. I don't have to go and buy a or headset for yeah, yeah. 500 well, quid. It's cheaper. Now. I don't have to buy a console. Mm. So all of that kind of stuff. But I actually, like when it comes to social gaming and all of that, I think another area that's really interesting is, um, I suppose, the extension of sports to esports. And I think, again, pandemic saw this massively where like you're kind of seeing where physical sports couldn't happen, them moving on to esports yeah. platforms. And like we saw that massively um, with Formula One, really quick off the mark to do that. They launched a Formula Grand Prix series to replace postponed races. And uh, I think they had like, yeah, yeah, it's mad. And they had like the actual Formula One drivers and then some other famous stars come on. Um, And I think it got something like 4.1 million minutes of watch time. And they get the same in FIFA. They get like Premier League stars playing FIFA and that kind of stuff. It is. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, It's definitely more social. But uh, like Real Madrid launched Twitch stream and it's streaming historic matches in full, including like Ronaldo's first ever football match. But closer to home, which I think is super interesting, is uh, Munster Rugby. Uh, So Munster yeah yeah that's only recently enough isn't it to kind of yeah so So, yeah like literally this time last year right march last year they announced that they were going to be partnering with feeling gaming so they would have been like ireland's best esports team and i just think it's really really interesting because like munster rugby have now got a league of legends esports team that play on a european scale okay and that is uh, and I think what they have seen is the interaction of Munster Rugby fans are also gamers. Mm. So how can I start to build my franchise and strengthen it? Mm. Well, I'm going to export out to that. So it's like all around building up the Munster Rugby franchise through esports. Yeah. So Ian, there's hope for you. Yeah, you might still play professional rugby <laughs> for Munster. You know, you know, never my, know. It's not too late, my, Ian. My back and my knees. Yeah, um, we'll get, it's esports. I'm talking about esports. You can sit in your chair, Ian. <laughs> my thumbs, my thumbs. Your thumbs, any excuse. But Ian, what are your thoughts on that and on, on that um, convergence between social and, and gaming? Um, somebody said very recently, uh, one of the conferences, gaming is not just for gameplay. Um, mm-hmm. It's very likely the next dominant tech platform uh, that we have to, that we're going to see. Yeah. Um, and, you know, from that point of view, yeah, it's totally driven by how it converges across everything, not just uh, socializing. Look at who owns Twitch. You know, people buy stuff through gaming. It's become a new gathering point, particularly accelerated by the pandemic. People, you know, there's big events, concerts, you know, there's big esport events. But there's also um, new conferencing providers who let you kind of, you know, have virtual avatars and you know, yeah. essentially yeah. skip your Zoom fatigue by uh, creating these online meeting points. It's broadcast. If you look at, you know, what mm-hmm. Maeve was talking about. People yeah. sit down either kind of watching old uh, Real Madrid matches or watching other people play, you know, games live. It's also like one of the, the big things and that people really should take note of. It's content. You know, we're all, yeah. always the content. But it's content that people are interacting with, True. you know, and it's live. And I think actually, you know, where a lot of marketers have been looking at live videos being a big thing, maybe 
you know, everything that we can see and do in uh, gaming is actually going to roll over the way live video is uh, treated in the future. You know, right, yeah, it's yeah. cross cross devices, and in many ways, you know, people are uh, signed up. Mm. You know, so it's easier to identify them. So, it's, it, like from a marketer's point of view, you know, when we talk about convergence and the difficulties, like, like what else more do you want from you know gaming as a platform? It's yeah. totally convergence. Yeah. Well, I just going back to it. It's much more than gameplay. Yeah. Well, I mean, some part of the problem, which you know, you can throw these big Twitch and you can talk about Fortnite. It's hard to get involved with those. It's like sometimes I think what can be off-putting for me is you can think about product placement, right? And and you can think about that, but there's a difference between product placement in a James Bond movie, which we can do if you got your office in LA, or product placement. No disrespect in Fair City. So right. access to the to the type of quality platforms that you have. So we've talked quite a lot about global the industry globally but just to talk about it bring it back home a little bit closer to home a little bit like in terms of the business of gaming i read an article again just in prep for this that in terms of on the nasdaq nine of the ten biggest earners saw their gaming related divisions grow year on year and actually what was interesting was five of those nine are actually based in ireland so we seem to have a niche technical specialism here in the industry of gaming now i know a lot of those companies came and set up originally for the double irish tax purposes so but what that created then was a lot of skilled people a lot of people went out set up their own business so we have this little kind of pocket and there's a lot of it out in galway a little pocket of, of nicheness in terms of the gaming industry but still and all another figure i read is that we're only one percent so we're relatively small we have a lot of talented people here but it's a relatively small contribution we make to the gaming industry. But interestingly, in the last budget, the finance minister, Pascal Dunham, who announced that he's going to launch one, he's looking into creating a tax credit for gaming, which will come into effect in 2022. And where we've seen that happen before, like it's happened in France and the UK, and then outside Europe and the US and Canada, it actually provides a huge boom to that industry. And, and I think what would probably happen if, if that happens here and that gets rolled out, it would become really efficient and effective from a, from an investment point of view for people to put me, money in. So, Maeve, thinking about Ireland and thinking about this potentially being a little bit, you know, growing once it becomes a tax break, it become more attractive to investors. How should brands get involved in Ireland? Right, fine, Fortnite and all this kind of stuff. But what anyone listening, they don't have Fortnite budgets. They can't be creating Fortnite-style games. How can they get involved? What are we doing? Are, are there brands doing anything at the moment? Yeah, yeah. No, I think there are. And I think, you know, it kind of goes back to us, like a lot of what we've already talked about. It's don't get overwhelmed by all of those big activations and look at what's on your front door and how you can get involved. Like, I I don't know, like last year, I love this example, Orchard Thieves created the first ever Instagram filter game. So, uh, and it was the team in Thinkhouse that developed it. And I just thought it was really brilliant because it was quite simple. And, you know, they tied into culture and they used, you know, how we're like everyone's using filters and playing around with filters to create funny faces and all of that kind of stuff and using their face and facial expressions to augment that filter. So we've got that. That's the behavior that exists. So literally they created this game called Follow the Fox, which is obviously their branding. So it's basically a fox that's walking down a street and the game player uses their mouth to make the fox jump over things and dodge obstacles. And then obviously you get a score and you win prizes. Now that's a local agency has developed and created that. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to connect with. It's on all of these social platforms. That's gaming that's yeah, getting yeah. into the gaming sector um, and and it's a really good use of environment being authentic and behavior so you know that's a one example of like how a brand can seamlessly go in and add value to experiences yeah ian 
What do you think? Yeah, uh, who, I, I like, think, have you seen anyone like doing things in Ireland, or what has impressed you? I think you? Um, you know, marketing always needs to work creatively. It always needs to work in channel, and it always needs to work in the moment. And that's a principle that extends across all channels. If you take the Wendy's example, that was just very, you know, creative, clever thinking. And I don't know why that would be licensed to just them. Mm. You know, technically, if, if Supermax uh, burgers weren't ever put in the freezer. They could have been that clever and they could have been there uh, and maybe grabbed the headlines. If if you think about it, Burger King, you know, did the sponsorship of Stevenage, you know, Elite Two uh, yeah. side in the UK. And it's purely with the kind of the foresight to actually... Oh, yeah. So, and that, that loads of people got involved and got Stevenage promoted then into Champions League. They got promoted. And all. They, yeah, I yeah. think Messi played from it some yeah. way in terms of, you know, That's by, a brilliant by playing idea, on, yeah. on FIFA. Like, so it's actually, you know, you can be really creative... But that could have been, I don't know, that could have been Woody's, you know, if you really wanted it to be anybody, you know, just a very clever idea. So yeah. I don't think, I think uh, obviously, you know, being clever is always very good at getting around barriers to entry. But yeah, so creative thinking is definitely one. But, you know, Maeve mentioned it almost at the beginning of our chat. You have to go back to your objectives and I have to be, you know, understand what type of marketer you were. And it's because there's so much available through this ecosystem, like, for example, if you're simply a reach-based marketer, you know, you're seeing declining reach in other parts of your plan uh, and then you see, a, you know, a growing reach here. So maybe uh, it's a broadcast channel. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, there's some simple kind of mechanics in terms of just making sure that you continually kind of drive reach uh, across your plans. Yeah. It, it, there's too much in the platform to actually say that, you know, Irish companies can't connect or can't get involved. Yeah. Um, I think we're all saying that we all think that people should be getting involved in it. But if you still need convincing on that matter, when we think about where the world is going in terms of the demise of third party cookies and the importance of context, gaming seems to provide an even much greater opportunity when we think about that. It's going to become more important even than it is the moment. It's already huge. Ian, start with you here. What, What do you think about that? If you're thinking about where the world will go next year, Jan 2022, cookies are dead from Google. Context is king. Yeah, I think actually, look, cookies are going to, everything like that is going to start deteriorating quite quickly, even before the end of, uh, you know, or the beginning of next year. And I, there's a lot I could go into on cookies, which you probably don't want me to. I, do, start, I certainly start don't. Me we don't have a lot no. of time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, look, I think there's a, a shift there. I don't know why ads, you know, ever, yeah, effectively, if you're talking about contextual targeting, why ads would ever appear out of context. Mm. Uh, you know, particularly with the sophistication that we have. And uh, probably the issue would be that cookies, what we've learned is they're a relatively blunt tool and also applied uh, bluntly as well. Um, So it's a good thing that third-party cookies are coming out of the marketplace, if you ask me. And I'm optimistic because it means that people will start to look with a bit more focus on areas like, you know, what is available through uh, gaming as a platform, um, certainly, you know, maybe safer uh, brand environments. That will all come, like actually Twitch is a very, very safe brand environment, you know. So I think this is a a good thing and it's going to be a good shift for marketing spend to be able to, you know, get into areas like this that really kind of connect with people rather than look for just Mm -hmm. little lifelines to get people through to your website or, you know, uh, a yeah. real tactical type flat messaging. Maeve? Yeah, I couldn't uh, agree more with Ian. I think, you know, yeah, it's cookie-less world, but I think like that's just a part of it. We're at, I would agree with a really exciting kind of tipping point when it comes to how we look at digital and virtual mm. media, how we choose to engage and connect with people is changing and it should. You know, 
it's cookie-less, it's, you know, iOS 14 updates. And, you know, Dan Caladine mentioned this on your last podcast, Dave, uh, ad blocking. Yeah. We don't talk about that anymore, anymore, but it hasn't gone away. Uh-huh. You know, it's huge. So we have to kind of rethink how we connect. And, you know, we talk about it all the time, but it's not just, I think we, we have to change how we use media as a channel and how we really, truly look at how we want to engage and add value to the experiences that we want to connect with when it comes to the people we want to speak to. And so I suppose because of all of that, I think gaming is going to be an ideal platform to allow us kind of connect in new ways, which I yeah. think really needs to be done. I, I completely agree. And actually, look, the, the big thing about it is, you know, without cookies and all, maybe uh, digital doesn't always sit just down at the bottom of plans to say, Absolutely. this is yeah. how we close the sale. This is how we close the sale. This is how we get people through to your website. Actually, yeah. digital, obviously, we don't need to tell anybody. Yeah. It has a huge reach. Gaming, Absolutely. you know, uh, other platforms like this, hugely in, uh, engaging. Yeah. Uh, so it allows us to actually review the whole kind of, the whole plan and yeah. i think it's a really it's going to be a really kind of productive move for the industry yeah i'm sold where do i sign up get me in get me involved in gaming get me on board but you, but you love next cookies Monday. i love cookies uh, no I, I think cookies were great but they were never built for that they were never designed for the for advertising they were designed for fluidity across different publisher platforms and then advertisers you know abuse the cookies so and um, but it's a great think- point in about what like i don't know why anyone would ever not want an ad to show up in context just but they because also, it could. And, and, they were probably primarily used at optimized buying, but you never got planners dipping their head into mm. cookie pools to understand the audience because yeah. there must be great insights there. And I think actually, you know, when you think going back to a more converged platform like gaming, you get to see a much better full view of, you know, a customer because yeah. you see transactions, you know, you can make, you see yeah, some yeah. Of that information, you see interaction, you see time and media. So a lot more insightful kind of stuff to come from mm-hmm. actually buying media yeah. And, yeah. and actually using that as a stimulus for to generate kind of a better planning. Oh, I agree. We are out of time, but I mean, for me, that was really interesting. And, and, and we're saying, don't be put off by gaming, get involved, but be creative. Give it the same thought and planning as you might give other channels. Because again, why not get involved in a, in a space where there's none of your competitors are there? Because if, if it's relatively underused, it's, a, it's an opportunity to do something interesting and do something, engage with people in a way where your competitors aren't there so you can get lots of cut through. So that has been great. Thanks, Maeve. And thanks, Ian, for joining me. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, Ian, Thanks just before you go, uh, I've read a lot of great stuff. Um, I, well, I know you well anyway, but I've read a lot of great stuff of yours on LinkedIn. So if anyone's interested in finding out a little bit more about you, getting reading up on anything you're doing or wants to chat with you, where how can they connect with you? It just uh, LinkedIn is the best for now because uh, I publish quite regularly through that as a platform. It's kind of my preferred kind of outward, you know, where I share my my thoughts, my views, uh, and anything it's interesting. A dark space. It's a dark place yes. where you share your views. Um, <laughs> great. Where I share my, my views on marketing. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> okay, Grant. And Maeve, sure, we all know where to find you, so you don't need to give yourself a plug. So thanks, guys. That has been great. Until two weeks' time, goodbye, stay safe, and thanks to Andrea on Sound and our partners, Irish Times Media Solutions. Bye-bye. The Inside Marketing Podcast. Brought to you by Dentsu and Irish Times Media Solutions.